So last week, what we didn't get to talk about, and I've been dying to chat with you about, is The Social Dilemma. You finally watched it. (laughs) I finally watched it. And it was, to be honest, it wasn't a traditional documentary. Like, they had the whole interviews and, you know, people from, like, various, like, social media companies, like Twitter or Facebook talking, which is great. But they did this weird, like reenactment thing which I kind of didn't like oh right I was gonna say what do you mean by documentary but yeah as in the like the family reenactment and the yeah yeah yeah. I think that was more to drive home the point of what they were they were trying to say but aside from that did you still like it Yeah, yeah yeah it was it was good I mean I definitely found that after I watched the documentary I really tried to cut down my social media use. Yeah. Wait, before we go into that, do you want to yeah. tell us what it was about? Just so if people yeah. don't know what it's about. So basically the social dilemma is talking about the way that social media is created or is set up as to entice its users to like keep on using. Yeah. Did you switch off anything after that? Oh, I think you're off a few things anyway. Yeah. So... I like I wouldn't say I use Instagram a lot so I try not use it that much but I did re-download the app um after having deleted it a while back Mm. but then after watching that documentary I deleted it again (laughs) like off my phone so if I have to go on it I'll go onto my like online browser which is annoying so I don't do it very often so I still have the Facebook messenger app I don't go on Facebook I haven't had the Facebook app for a really really long time my phone I don't really go on it is that because you just don't like going on to those things to be honest I think for a while and even now right like Facebook was just like full of memes and I'm not really a meme person Mm. (laughs) so I just like go in there and I'm like like two minutes and it was just boring so I actually didn't really use it to begin with yeah it wasn't an intentional oh my gosh I need to stay away from this I only use it now like to check up on events and things like that or certain pages where there'll be certain events that you know I could be interested in or like talks yeah I don't I guess I don't use that much social media other than those two I mean I use WeChat I turn off notifications for WeChat yeah I don't think you use social media a lot though anyway yeah I think one of the other points that really hit home was the idea that you know these companies they're trying to earn your attention right and they have like all these I don't know mechanisms in place to try and keep you engaged on the page like yeah. the way it's designed and but someone was just talking about how like they're doing that but it's actually robbing you a good time that you could be doing something more useful I definitely don't think I'm one of those people who is like oh you know social media is bad you should just like delete all of it like such a waste of fine time like you know it's just the greatest evil in society I think there are like definitely perks to it but it definitely made me reflect on okay when I'm scrolling on Instagram Am I doing it because, hey, I actually want to, like, see what's on the page or is it just because I'm bored? And most of the time it's just because I'm bored. I would say, like, my scrolling has significantly increased because of lockdown. (laughs) And I used to be someone that would be able to get out of bed when my alarm goes off, straight out of bed, put my clothes on, go go to work. And now I'm the one that lies in bed for probably half an hour scrolling – I don't even know what I look at. I, I actually look on LinkedIn a lot more than my other platforms, but I still just go through people's stories on Instagram. 
And yeah, I think that is just a time thing because I just have so much time. I don't know what to do with myself. And then it there's the whole other layer of, yeah, it is just maybe I'm wired that way because it's designed that way for me to just want to look at things. But yeah, there's one time I was having a call with one of my friends and we were talking about the social dilemma and we were just like, yeah, what do you guys think? And at that time, two of us on that call were just mindlessly scrolling on Facebook during that call. <laughs> But yeah, what I'm interested in is like, did it change the way you use social media? Because I know, I feel like you're quite involved and I know you have like a few pages on Instagram. Yeah. Like, you really enjoy I just that. made so. one because I have so much yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw that. I love it. Follow Hangry Helena for some food stories. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, I mean, really cool because I'm planning to put all our China stuff on there. All just, oh, yeah. and because I, I feel like it's a Melbourne thing. I think you told me, you're like, or someone, I was just eating with them. And I literally just take photos of my food all the time because I think mm. one, it's to like show my mum or just show my mum that I'm being fed, <laughs> that I'm like actually yeah. eating. A way to just document things. And I have really bad memory as well. So I just take photos of everything, especially food. Yeah. But in terms of use of social media, like not really at all. I think I just watched it as like, oh, nice to know kind of thing. <laughs> I think because of lockdown, I haven't seen the impacts of social media on living my life because I don't have a life right now right because there's no life to live <laughs> yeah but no I don't think it's affected me at all really yeah. I still do what I do yeah, every right. day maybe it will be a problem when someone tells me you need to like calm down and my screen time has gone way up but again I think it's something that I actually genuinely enjoy doing like at least sharing things on Instagram and interacting with people and watching people and what they're doing like I actually find that quite interesting I don't know if that's weird to say but <laughs> no I mean that's just being like curious about people's lives and like especially if you care about them yeah like, what are they up to? and like seeing what they're doing I don't know it brings me joy too yeah exactly yeah. and I think it's all heightened with lockdown as well like there's just yeah. that's the only way we can keep in touch with them and for me at least as well during lockdown it's just given me a creative outlet to do stuff too. The other part that really concerned me, like more so than like being manipulated, like feeling manipulated personally, but was that whole idea of fake news and how mm. people can really fall down a rabbit hole, like whether it's like like in certain instances like extremism, yeah. like, like terrorism and like all these like extreme beliefs. Yeah. And that kind of freaked me out because it was just it kind of just put it in this thing where like, you know, you can be skewed to think a certain way because of the information you're consuming. Yeah. And who controls that information that is being shown to you? Well all these like social media, like these sites. Yeah. And that was freaky. Yeah. Which also if you haven't listened to our second episode, we talk about that. But we yeah, we hadn't actually just watched the social dilemma before we recorded our second episode but yeah I agree yeah. like one of the I think the that's why Zuckerberg went to Congress I think to talk about uh the Facebook's interference in the election it was very interesting because I think Zuckerberg's mantra is he wants the internet to remain free and whether that means that um you don't actually fact check information he just still wants it to be like a free space for people to just like share information which again, dangerous because if you have incorrect information around, then people a lot of the time don't fact check things and will just believe it. And then if they see another thing that says the same thing, that'll validate that. And then it's just like this whole mess. Yeah, definitely. That's the thing. Like 
you think what is the truth, like you think something is the truth because someone's told it to you or multiple people have told it to you enough times. So for this week's episode, Helena and I thought we'd do a bit of a anecdote story time kind of format and we thought what better topic to talk about than exchange, <laughs> which I'm sure you guys have heard us mention a million times before because that's kind of the reason we met and yeah, basically we just spent six, seven months practically like living together. Like not in the same place, but like on exchange together, hanging out. I'll start us off just talking about why I chose China. So if you didn't already know, <laughs> both Davina and I went to Beijing and we probably said that so many times. But we went to Beijing. I was at Tsinghua and Davina was at Peking. Tsinghua is the better university. Excuse <laughs> me. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> I actually think we're technically still better than Peking, even though I think Peking law is probably better than Tsinghua law. Anyway. Oh, wow. <laughs> so there's like this, so Tsinghua and Peking, for those who don't also know, are two of the top two ranked universities in China. Uh, they're both in Beijing. And I chose China personally because... I really wanted to experience living in my parents' home country. So my parents are both Chinese and they immigrated over to Australia, I think, in their late 20s, early 30s. And so I, from a young age, had learned Mandarin. I speak Cantonese at home and I thought going to China would be the best test of my Chinese language being immersed in, like, in China with Chinese speaking everything. I thought it would be really good. And also just on a personal level, I really wanted to see what it was like for my parents moving from a country that they didn't really know the culture or the language because they moved from China to Australia. And then I was doing for six months going from Australia to China. And conclusion on that, it would have been so tough for my parents. I found it super tough and they were older than me as well. So I just would always be very thankful that, yeah, they moved over. They left a lot of their friends in China, didn't know the language even more so than I. Like I had some Chinese background and knew the language a bit more. But yeah, it was very interesting to just uproot yourself into a different culture. And yeah, there were a lot of adjustments along the way and we can probably talk about that later. But that's mainly why I... When I actually also was tossing up between Beijing and Shanghai. I don't know if you had that thought. Yeah, Shanghai, to be honest, I really, really like the city. I may even like it more than Beijing. <laughs> but yeah, it was definitely the uni rankings. That's yeah. like such a, like a stuck-up thing to say. But That's also because my dad was, you didn't go to Monash. Yeah, yeah, but my dad was like 100% more excited than me when I got into oh. Beijing for exchange. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think was. I think parents also think it's because in China getting into Tsinghua and Peking are very hard, but I think as an exchange student it is a lot easier. And yeah. you know, the parents don't really know that, but they were so happy as well. Like going, to <laughs> my daughter universe. gets to go yeah. to this prestigious university, and it's telling all our family. Yeah. What? Well, yeah. What's? What are the things that surprised you? I'm. I'm curious. So I. Oh, it surprised me. I 
kind of also chose Beijing over Shanghai because I thought it would be more of an authentic experience. I don't know if that is best. Closer to the government. (laughs) Yeah. Just like more Chinese. Because I think Shanghai is a bit more westernized. Mm. So in that sense, I mean, it kind of was surprising how Beijing wasn't as westernized because it is the capital. Yeah. Oh, it was. I think it it depends where you went. Like there was this place called, oh, damn, what was it when we went (laughs) clubbing? (laughs) 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 What what was that? In Sanitun. Yeah, Sanitun, that's right. (laughs) There was this place. And they had a lot of like, like Western That's true. restaurants. Yeah. Like I remember this one. We had time. American breakfast. Yes. Okay. So this is actually this is a great cultural experience. It has nothing to do with China whatsoever. But <laughs> one of our friends on exchange, he is American. I was gonna say he was American. He still is American. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he just was craving like diner food, and so <laughs> he like he said, "Oh, there's like this." Great diner in San Leon called Lily's. I think that's what it was called. Was it Lily's? Yeah, 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 it was. Yeah. And he's like, oh, like I just really, really want to go. And, you know, it's really like the food is so good. Yada, yada, yada. And I was convinced. And Helena, you were like pretty keen as well because you had gone on exchange to the US yeah, before. Yeah. So yeah. he just like, so she knew what um, he was talking about. And so we rocked up to this restaurant <laughs> and. I have to say, it was possibly one of the most underwhelming meals that I've ever had. <laughs> like, oh, wow, I just feel like I'm constantly, like, offending Americans. <laughs> but he was like, ah, oh, the one thing that he really wanted to eat and the reason why he wanted to go to this diner was that he wanted French toast. And just to put it out there, in Australia, when you have French toast at a cafe, mm. usually at brunch, it's, like, this thick piece of brioche toast and it's got, like, some cream or, like, sauce on it and it's like topped with like berries and like edible flowers and this extravaganza like fairy floss you know what I'm talking about right yeah yeah and um yeah this at this diner it was literally just like french toast as in like a piece of white bread dipped in egg yolk and fried like actual french toast yeah and I was just like why did you pay for this you make this at home that's actually what surprised me when I was on exchange in America because we had breakfast at a diner as well and it was just like I can just do this at home (laughs) and it was very there was also chips it came with chips but they were like just the chips you get out of a bag (laughs) on the side I thought it was like french fries or something but they're literally just chips from a packet put onto my plate next to like my scrambled eggs and I was like oh okay yeah but we are very spoiled in Melbourne in terms of brunch food and breakfast food like food, I don't know. I can't speak for Brisbane, but Melbourne food. <laughs> oh, wow, is, Melbourne food is really good, and yeah, I think yeah. Although Beijing food is also really good. Oh yeah, Beijing, aside from that American experience, yeah, it's still good. Just different. yeah, you enjoyed it. Don't deny it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just like yeah. I think though for the price, if you do order Western food in Beijing or China, at least it is a lot pricier. So. Yeah, but aside from that, it was still really good. But yeah, why did you choose Beijing? Because I don't actually know. Or was it just the ranking? No, I love China. Like, yeah. to be honest, <laughs> that's just it. <laughs> no, our family pretty much goes back to China once every two years. So I would say even though I'm not completely assimilated into Chinese society, it's very familiar. Like, it would be my yeah. second home. Mm. 
and yeah the food is so damn good and also so cheap like so cheap and you just what's your what was your favorite food when you were there I know it's very hard to choose but uh, okay ranking so in the, <laughs> there's like there's like two separate rankings right so one's like actual restaurant going out to eat one's like canteen food which is also really really good so basically in China they have multiple canteens on the campus and they're like subsidized by the government so you can heavily subsidized yeah so you get like a full-on meal like say like rice vegetables meat and it'll be like two Australian dollars maybe less yeah and on campus we had this canteen that had I will say I think your campus might have had better food. Oh! Actually, I'm not sure. We had Malachangua and it was so good. But you so came over as well. So I, just, I just don't like that stuff. Uh, so Malachangua is basically like, you kind of go through this, like, it's like this station where there's like all these, I guess, uncooked or like half-cooked, like meat, vegetables, instant noodles, rice cakes, like anything basically. And yeah. you pick it and then they chuck it into a bowl and then they stir fry it um, with like all these different like chili sauces and spices and it just comes out as this delicious bowl of, I don't know. Just, it's I'm just pretty so sure good. you would have had times where you felt sick after that. Though, yeah, right? definitely. You had it a lot I though. I had it a lot. Oh. Yeah. I don't think I actually, I didn't try it because I, one, don't really eat spicy. I also got a bit of social anxiety trying to order it as well because I felt really awkward I think one time you're supposed to come and we're supposed to order it but then that never happened but yeah I agree I think that did look very delicious and yeah it was like a popular option for a lot of people yeah oh so good and the other the other thing that I will never forget and I swear I will go visit again when I'm back in Beijing is <laughs> not Chinese food but is that Korean restaurant oh my gosh yeah in Wudako yeah. It just was seriously the best Korean food I've ever had. Better than, better than even when I went to Korea, which maybe just shows that I didn't know the great Korean places in Seoul. <laughs> but yeah, we were just we went there like probably like at least a once lot. a month. Yeah. Yeah. And oh my gosh, it was the fried so chicken, good. The rice yeah. balls, like which had like the seaweed and pork bits and just I don't even know how it could be so amazing when it was just like rice balls, but yeah, Korean food in Beijing oh. is actually so good. Crazy. But yeah, so much good food and I couldn't even give you a favorite. I just like actually can't. Date cake. Date oh, cake. Yeah, see, that's, as well I was thinking about date cake the other day. So it was like I don't even know how much it was. It wasn't that much, but you literally get a kilo. And so in China they do things by 500 grams instead of like 1 kilo. So if you bought 500 grams, you get a 500 grams for free. So you got a kilo for like what? How much was it? So cheap. I don't remember. Like but. 15 yuan maybe? I don't even know. What's yeah. What's that? Like $3? I don't even know. That's probably wrong. But oh, it's just in this plastic bag, just this massive sponge cake pretty much. And you just all eat from it. We had like three, four, five people just all get their hands in and just eat. <laughs> you make it sound disgusting. <laughs> that was just like the most happiest memory. Yeah. The decade was so good. Like, you'd think, it sounds like it would be like really dense and like sticky. I honestly didn't know what date cake was before that. 
Well, I've, never I, I've never had it like, oh, I guess, I, yeah, I've never had date cake. But, like, they've just, like, kind of blend, they must have blended the date, like, so it's really, really yeah. thin. Oh, so but it is, yeah, like a sponge cake texture, and it just smells, like, you walk past that, like, shop front, and it just smells amazing. And like, there's always a line, and... Yeah. Yeah. I was very thankful as well. So I had a friend who was working in Beijing before me and she showed me all of these places including date cake and I was just like oh my gosh this is amazing like yeah so good so good I just feel like we could talk about food for so long yeah we could yeah but I think that was yeah definitely a major reason why I chose to go to China just Mm. to be honest in I remember like even at uni in the beginning of uni like when I'd order Uber Eats or like something like that it was just, it felt like such a splurge or an extravagance, like a once in a while I'll do this kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. Like it's not sustainable for like every meal. But when I was in China, um, delivery, food delivery was just oh so cheap and yeah. it would just be like a few times a week. And like when I was like too lazy to like walk five minutes to the nearest canteen, <laughs> I'd be like, please come downstairs. <laughs> Dude, food uh, delivery is insane. We ordered Macca's one time and got it delivered literally within 10 minutes. Man, so much ease. So yeah. so great. I think we we're also really lucky. We got to do a lot of traveling together. So mm. we spent a lot of time. We spent a whole week in Shanghai. Yeah. The leadership summit. Yes. Wink, wink. No. <laughs> um, and then. I don't remember what we did in Shanghai apart from. Did we actually do touristy things? Uh, we went to. We should talk about the mansion. <laughs> <laughs> you can talk about the mansion. <laughs> so. As you do in Shanghai when you have a bunch of Australians. So we had a whole scholarship cohort in Shanghai and we went out one time to this place called The Mansion and it's probably the most bizarre clubbing experience. So I don't know how long it took to get there. How long did it take to get there? Uh, Quite a while, but it was like kind of like in the middle of nowhere like, not, like, in the forest or something, but it was just, like, we were on this highway and then suddenly we went on the highway and suddenly we were in front of this, like, big house. Like, it was, like, a t- two-story house, was it? I don't know. Just... Yeah, so when I heard about the mansion, I thought it was, like, this glitz, gl- glitzy, glamorous club or something. Turns out we go to literally a mansion or, like, a, a townhouse? I don't know. A house with two stories and then I think to get in you have to like bend down to get into the the little arch thing oh man I'm just making this up I can't even remember but I just remember the entrance it's all just like really dark there's not a lot of lights either I feel like there's like a lot of weeds and plants around and the garden wasn't well groomed (laughs) maybe this is just me making it up but this is like half imagination now (laughs) it was just all very dark and then at the front there's this like very old Chinese man. I don't know how old he was. Yes, like, that I do remember. Like, just like like someone you'd see squatting on the side of the road, like in the street. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like with like waiting for you to pay your cash. Yeah, he was like to get it. 60. But the thing is, as well, he had a shirt on that said Australia on it. Really? <laughs> he didn't I don't speak a that. word of English. Oh, I don't remember. Um, and so, yeah, he was the person that you paid. I didn't even know how payment worked. I feel like there was like something weird with that. And then we go in, there's like probably no one really even there. And then, yeah, it was just like floorboards, wooden floorboards. And then there's a bar and then, yeah, I don't know. It was just, it was a basement and it was carpeted. And that's where 
you could dance, but there was like nobody dancing. But I guess we kind of. And then do you remember there was cage. actually something upstairs that was like like locked off. off? I think that's what people slept. Oh, okay. oh my god, this sounds so creepy. We should probably. <laughs> no, no. Um, no, and then upstairs, I think there was a room. There was this mystery room. I don't know, but that's very like that was like a really big hot spot. I think in Shanghai, and I was like, was what it though? Is... I don't know if we went on a, an off night. But I will say the highlight was when we got dumplings delivered to the side of the road and we just yeah. ate on the side of the road because we were just like, okay, we're done with the mansion. We'll just hop outside. And then you just get a warm bowl of dumplings and you just eat it. And then that was just a great end to the night. The delivery was a great move. I forgot who ordered that, but that was really great. Yeah. Because <laughs> we also wanted to go to Mint, which is a big club in Shanghai, the one with the shark. And then we all got there. And then we're like, where's the shark? And then the shark wasn't there. Okay, okay. Just backdrop. She means like shark in like a big fish tank yeah. kind of thing. Yes. Yeah, like not a mascot, but like. No, like a real shark. It's a shark, right? Like a real shark yeah. in the club yeah. in a big fish tank, which we didn't see, which is probably good because I think I would have freaked out yeah. and it would have not been a good time. Yeah. So I think we alluded to it in our intro episode, but nightlife in China is very different to nightlife in uh, Australia. Yeah. And it's, I found it quite fun. I think because we're just in big groups, but there's just, it's like a whole production to it. And there's like not as much dancing. There's more people just sitting around. So if we were to just describe what it would be, you'd walk in, there's a lot of people playing the dice game. We played the dice game a lot. So it's a common drinking game in China where you like shake the dice and then get a number. I actually forgot how to play it. But there's a lot more sitting and chatting in China and then you just smell like smoke every time you leave the club because smoking is loud indoors. I think we just got desensitized to it, to be honest. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. Like the venues are really nice. There's always like dancers around. And like dressed up like to the max, like like Roman soldiers like walking down (laughs) the staircase with their like big Trojan, like, like, you know, helmets (laughs) on and... Yeah, it was just crazy. And, like, women in, like, feathers, yeah. like, feathered bikinis and, like, waving, like, big feather, like, fans. And, like, half the time you're just like, oh, my gosh, don't come <laughs> close to me. Don't touch me. I'm freaked out. But, you know, it was... It was good to what entertaining. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, no, I, I have to say, like, I definitely don't really go out much in Australia. I just think... I think it's almost like we would go in, like, in China to clubs, like, almost as, like, a social... Like, social, not experiment, mm. but, like, to watch to watch people you know it sounds yeah. weird but it just be like for the production it was interesting it felt like I don't know culturally <laughs> educational to a certain yeah. extent <laughs> and I think just like the extravagance and like the absurdity of it was yeah. just really funny so we end up enjoying it and I think also it has a lot to do with the people mm. that we went with every time I went out I felt very very safe I felt like again because every time I went out, I pretty much always went out with Helena. It was like, I didn't feel like, oh, we're going to get lost or I wasn't going to, you know, I wasn't going to be going home like yeah. alone or something like that. So, yeah. I will say I feel a lot safer. I felt a lot safer in China going out than I did in Melbourne. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I also feel like most of the time we're also in a big group and they're like a lot of guys. So yeah, that might help. Which is interesting because well. you know how we normally took a black cab home? Yeah. So that's yeah 
so just pre just a bit of explanation that's also really funny like once you walk out of the club there's like a million people in like illegal like cars <laughs> trying to like offer you a ride home and you're like no 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 <laughs> yeah so they're what we're called black cabs but also because I think I had a friend who came as well and they were just very freaked out by the fact that we took black cabs home but then it was just the only way you could get home because if you ordered it yeah. through Didi you'd never you just never get a cab yeah the wait line was too long. Yeah. yeah, and so, yeah, I think initially when I got to China, I had experience with black cabs before, so I wasn't as scared. But I think because we were in a group, big group as well, but they were also very bizarre because you'd be in a car with, we'd probably all squish into one, and then there's like a, like a husband and wife at the front, and they're just like, hello, and then they just take us home. And you just, I also try and just bargain down the price and be like, we're going here, how much? And then you just do the walk away and then see if they're going to follow you or not. And then we're like, oh crap, maybe we should go back and ask if they want to take us home again. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, like we're not promoting taking black cabs. Like do not do it, especially if you are alone. That's not safe. Like people get murdered this way. Yeah. And it was only because we were in a large group. Yeah. And we felt like, like, like it was going to be okay because there were like four of us. So. Yeah, 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 definitely. Don't do uh, that. But it, that, yeah. that was annoying as well, which comes up a bit is that the universities that we were at were actually quite far from the main clubbing areas. Yeah, if it was closer to us, it would have been a lot nicer. But still, like, getting around in Beijing is really easy, especially Mm. if you know how to ride a bike. (laughs) And we have a lot of bike stories, (laughs) especially Helena. (laughs) So I lived on campus, but the Tsinghua campus is, insanely big and getting to class for me took a 15 minute bike ride every morning and this is I like live on the campus right so it was just oh, ridiculous but I actually got quite fit in but I was eating a lot but I was so it was either that or like a <laughs> half an hour walk so I was just like I'll just ride my bike to class but yeah it you have like struggles though like in Beijing because of the pollution and stuff you do have to wear a mask which I think it trained me to wear a mask now in COVID. But mm. when you do ride your bike with a mask, you just like, sometimes I couldn't see sometimes because my glasses would fog up. But I think that's something that you just like learn to deal with. Because when we were bike riding, the bikes weren't our bikes. We had like this phone app. So you'd have to like go scan these yellow bikes, like the Ofo yeah. bike. And then they'd unlock. Do you know what's and funny? Then... I saw someone in my neighborhood who has an Ofo bike. Oh, that's in Australia. Yeah, oh, they they can't obviously stole that. That's how would they steal illegal. that? Maybe they ordered it. No, they no they came they came to Australia I think for a while. Or was it Mobike? There was some. I think they did come to Australia for a bit, oh, really? but it didn't, it didn't hit off. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there was like this bike renting system in China that was really big, but it was also really annoying because it wasn't your bike. So sometimes you'd unlock a bike only to find that like the wheels or like the chain made this like like annoying sound or like <laughs> it kind of would skew to the left or like something was broken but like still usable most of the bikes are okay some just aren't functional but i think as an overall system they work quite well like you can just you literally just dump them anywhere and you can pick them up again and there's like ofo bikes everywhere in beijing but davina didn't ride that much because you can't ride a bike no, I can ride a bike. Uh-huh. Why didn't you ride that much? Because it was annoying. 
because you have to find one and unlock it and then sometimes it wouldn't work and then you have to lock it again and then you go and find another one and unlock it and then maybe it didn't work oh, okay. and, then, or then, and then finding a place to park the bike was also annoying because like just I literally just left it on the side yeah, of the street yeah that is why that was annoying because so many people just left their bikes on the side of the street <laughs> oh I just I just remember and I don't know where this memory is from but I just remember we were riding like one night like probably on campus and you were just like riding this bike and it was just clearly like half broken <laughs> and it was making this like annoying clicking sound and you're like and you're just like trailing behind me and I was like surely this is like surely there's a better way uh, anyway but yes yeah, so we do a lot of bike riding so I mean, are there any other memorable moments that, like, you kind of think about or you really miss from exchange? One that does stand out, so I have a terrible memory, but one thing that I do remember, so when it was the national holiday, which is a week off for China, and I think we tried to go somewhere outside of China, (laughs) did we? No, it was still inside China, it was in the Mongolia. No, but I think we tried to go somewhere else, right? And then that was our backup oh, plan. We maybe. I can't remember. Oh, sorry. Yeah, so, well, Davina ruined it. We went to Inner Mongolia. <laughs> and so Inner Mongolia is still, like, technically, well, still, still in China. So we didn't exit China or whatever. Because there are visa issues if you do exit and then enter. So we went to Inner Mongolia for a week and then we... Had a lot of activities actually. So we went with like a tour group who was like specialized in doing tours for uh, uni students. But one thing that I remember the most was the power going out at night. So we lived in a yurt. And for those who don't know what a yurt is, how would you describe a yurt? It's like a, it's like a cylinder with a cone on top. Yeah, that perfectly describes the yurt. So we lived in a yurt. It was actually really beautiful. So it was like a yellow kind of, what's the word? Plaster type material, I think. And then inside it was like furnished. There was two beds. The ceiling looked really nice. I just remember it was like this cross crisscross pattern. And then everything was great. Mind you as well, in Mongolia at that time, I don't know what temperatures was it. It was like very cold yeah like we were wearing puffer jackets it was freezing and then we i think our first night second night i don't remember which night and then how yeah. went off at night. and the worst thing is because it was so cold we had put the aircon on like super hot temperature so like hot air was blasting out constantly and then at some point it just stopped yeah so that's really <laughs> funny because i actually being prepared as i am i brought a hot water bottle with me and so I filled that up before bed. I slept with it. And then I was like, oh, I had a great sleep <laughs> the next morning. I think Davina got really, really, really cold because she didn't have anything to kind of like get heat from. Because this is like, I don't know if it was negative degree weather, but it was it was cold. And without electricity, I think you probably laid up a lot. Like I was still laid up. And I was so thankful for that hot water bottle. I think it probably was expected that electricity was going to cut. They just didn't tell us. Yeah. I have a feeling that that just always happens. Yeah. Because I think because it was a national holiday, there were so many people like traveling around China. So how did you find the yurt experience? I mean, other than that, yeah, it was freezing. I think I had my socks and like all my pants, all my pants, like multiple layers of pants on. (laughs) 
So that was great. But it was really beautiful. Yeah. I remember when we went out to like look at the stars at night, I think. That was really nice. It was the place we were. It was just had all these like little, yeah, yurts, kind of a whole expanse of just like, Mm. like field. And it was just beautiful to see like the sunrise, the sunset. And yeah, the stars at night. Like there was pretty much like no light pollution. So yeah, it was really, really special. So beautiful. Like I think... At sunset as well, it was like blue, pink, yellow, all these different colors, and it was it was yeah, super beautiful. And then we got to ride a camel. We I think did some like quad bike on the sand stuff. All these kind of different activities, which was really cool. And yeah, because I think at one point we were going to just stay in Beijing, but you, there'd be so many people, or mm. like you just wouldn't even know what to do. Um, so it was really nice to just get out and yeah, literally we're just in a desert and we, I think went for a hike or like a walk across the desert for one of the days. And that was really nice. And yeah, it was just really fun. And we met our friends there as well. Like we met people that we were good friends with on exchange on that trip too. So I think we did. Yeah, Yeah. we did. Yeah. 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 So that was really nice. What about you? Any memorable <laughs> memories? Yeah. Memorable memories? Yeah. Definitely some memorable memories, but like <laughs> not in a good way. <laughs> I think Helena talked a bit about like her vis- visa issues in like our kind of intro episode. Um, I kind of stumbled upon something similar because the student visa that we were on only went for six months, but like the both of us, we were in China like following our exchange like for like another month or so because like you know to spend Mm. time with family and things like that so um at some point like at one point I realized my student visa was about to expire and I need to get like I need to like transfer to a family visa just it wasn't really simple um and again there was the option of (laughs) flying to Hong Kong and then flying back to China which kind of was not ideal oh my gosh um but yeah so what we figured out that I could potentially do was go back to my my grandparents' hometown, which where they were living, and go to like the local, I don't know, immigration or I don't know, family registration office there and get them to do my like give me a family visa. <laughs> and yeah, so then that's literally what I had to do. But unfortunately this was just like in the middle of the uni term and I just had to do it over a weekend so I remember I literally so I also didn't mention that they don't live in like a super big city so this high-speed train like didn't go there so I had to take a slow train and I'm pretty sure it took like 14 hours one way do you want to do you want to explain what the slow train yeah so like in yeah so in China you have like the high-speed train which is like the bullet train um and then the slow train which is slow (laughs) and there's like a really really big difference (laughs) in terms of speed and comfort so in like the bullet train uh, it's like a few hours it's from going to like Shanghai to Hangzhou or something like that yeah three hours or something so it's like crazy fast and you're kind of in these like really nice seats I don't know how you would describe it it's kind of just like in a I would say it's like an airplane seat but you get a lot more space quite decent leg room and you can like lean back at least the one that I went on and yeah, yeah high speed rail is 
fantastic in China. Like, really, really good. Yeah, and the slow train is like the kind of opposite where you also have seats, but you kind of don't have individual seats. You're just sat next to someone. (laughs) And, you know, they've got like their big rice sack full of clothes that's like conveniently placed between their legs. Wait, so it's a seat? I thought it was a bed. No, that's like the seat version. But yeah, there are also beds. Oh, right, Um, right. Yeah. Although this is just like a whole... (laughs) Speaking of, so, speaking of like sack, rice sack, I don't know why, but so when my parents were in China, they would tell me how they would go home for like the same holiday when they were like out working in, so my dad worked out in like the farm fields and stuff. And they, I think, only had slow trains back then, but they didn't have seats. So he would just stand for like a 14 hour like train home. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it's improved now, but there's still, there are still tickets where they don't have seats and it's like a very long commute. It is very cheap though to get from A to B on a slow train, but you do lose out on a lot of time. And comfort. But yes, yeah. So yeah, you have the seats and then like Alina said, some people like don't they're just like standing around they don't have actual seat ticket in those carriages and then you have like the next carriage up which is usually for a long haul trips are like the kind of like second class um beds and that's just i would say three horizontal beds um stacked on up on on top of each other like a bunk bed yeah but like literally it's like a mattress and a pillow and that's it um, and then there's, like, the kind of first-class carriage, which is, like, you've got two beds, like, like actual bunk beds, and it's, like, in mm. an enclosed room. So you've got a door, and there's, like, four beds in this, like, yeah. little room. Again, it's still squishy, but um, there's, like, I guess yeah. more privacy in one. So, yeah, for this trip, it's, like, 14-hour <laughs> trip one way. I was in, like, second class, so I was on these, like, triple bunk beds. Wait, so there's no door? No, there's no door. So you just, like, there's, like, a corridor, and, like, all these beds. Right, yeah. And I don't know why, but, like, just the people who are in these carriages or in the carriage that I was in, just, like, all middle-aged Chinese men. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> just, like, very uncomfortable. And also, they smoke. A lot of them smoke. And because oh, it's a corridor, yeah, I hate because that. in China, people don't really seem to care where you're smoking. And I was near the end of the carriage. So people just be smoking in, like, the adjoining little yeah. section yeah. between the carriages. But then there'd be no door and then so just be inhaling all like this tobacco which is great (laughs) sleeping on top not sleeping oh that sounds wrong but like (laughs) sleeping above like all these Chinese men um and yeah it was quite an experience I just remember no I remember Davina telling me about it and she was saying how there was like no space above her so she had to army crawl like (laughs) yeah because yeah so so basically you I couldn't sit up without like actually the roof touching my head yeah, I was on the top bunk, so I crawled to the top of the ladder, and then I had to, like, kind of slide my way onto the actual bed, because there's no way that I could actually physically kind of, I don't know, move without being horizontal. <laughs> oh my god, that's um, so, so funny. That was a really interesting experience. No, it wasn't that bad, to be honest. Yeah. But you got a, you got a, how did you get back? Not on a 14-hour no, well. trip, right? Yeah, I took the train oh, there. Oh, yeah, I, like, did. literally, I think, I think we tried to call you when you were on the train and we we're like oh Davina's on a 14-hour <laughs> trip right now I was just thinking like oh she's coming back now oh she's going now <laughs> it was such a long journey I probably like went to sleep thinking that and then woke up and you were still probably on the train <laughs> yeah so I wow. got there sorted my visa out 
was probably le- there for like less than 24 hours. I can't even remember. I had dinner. I remember I had dinner with my grandparents. Or was it lunch? Maybe it was lunch. Cannot remember. And then I think... Mm-hmm. No, I think you arrived in the morning and then went You're home probably right. Yeah, yeah, I had lunch with them. Yeah. And- 14 hours times two. That's 28 hours though. Jeez. Anyway. And then and then like, back I went. And then that was like my weekend gone. <laughs> but I had a visa. Then you got your visa so. sorted. So Yes. Yeah. That was something I would oh, probably man. never forget. Dude, the visa issues made us do some, do a lot of things, which I find actually funny how your uni allowed you to stay at the start. Um, I had to fly home, but then at the end, my uni allowed me to change over to family, but yours didn't. And I was like, where is the consistency? I hope you guys enjoyed taking... A trip down memory lane with us. I promise that we're not always talking about exchange <laughs> like all the time. But I guess, you know, it's a really special, special part of our lives that we shared together. So it is kind of, uh, I don't know, holds a lot of great memories. So Yeah, and we can't promise that we won't talk about it in future because I feel like we will. There's just so many stories mm-hmm. about exchange and so much to say. And yeah, like... Yeah, I oh, I miss it a lot and I can't wait to go, just go back to China as well and to visit all of the friends that we made and yeah. So I hope you guys found this episode enjoyable and we'll catch you in the next one. <laughs> <laughs>